0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Believe in the Arizona Cardinals. This is the Cardinals-specific show that we do once a week. My name is Javon J. Love Adams. I am joined, as always, by my partner, my brother, my co-host, the one and only Ed Easy-Smith. Hello, sir. How are you? It's hot out here in the desert, man. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's hot. It's hot. You got people. We, we need to get one of those, uh, cam, cameras in here. Cause when we do our radio show, sometimes I'll be the the idiot that'll, and I'm not saying you're an idiot. <laughs> I'll be the idiot that when we're on doing our Facebook live and whatnot, and I'll show my bare arms. And every once in a while, some of your partners will say, what's up with dude with
1: the arms out? <laughs> guns out. So, so you come through
0: the crib today. You got the arms out. You got the guns blazing over here. Shooting fools down. So <laughs> my I, partner need to, not,
1: I need to hit me some curls though before I came. You know, they, they, they not bulging right now. They just, we <laughs> get those hammer curls going on.
0: So, uh, my partner not only played professional baseball, but he also played in NFL Europe, but also played in the NFL. He played for, and, um, you know, next time I'm gonna write it down. Next time I'm gonna write it down. <laughs> but he had a little, he showed up for a little cup of coffee for the Cleveland Browns, right? Yeah. Alright, he was in, he was in town for a little bit for the St. Louis Rams. Yes. He also played for the Detroit Lions play for the uh, Washington Redskins, uh, the Eagles, and of course you know he had to play cuz he went to the Super Bowl. He played for the Atlanta Falcons.
1: Did I get them all? You mean the Washington football team. Yeah, right? the Washington football team. Thank you for
0: that correction. Thank you for that correction. So, we bring everything to you uh, from our different perspective where it comes when it comes to the the Arizona Cardinals, we are obviously in preseason so uh, that's kind of some of the things over the last couple of weeks we've talked about was kind of different parts of the team that we wanted to focus on focused on a player the last couple of weeks from the team and we've also talked about the division rivals so we initially talked about the Seattle Seahawks then we talked about the 49ers last week had uh, Earl e, Earl casual e Burnett that joined us from KSRNAZ.com last last week and this week we're of course we're gonna wrap it up with the Los Angeles Rams and so we're gonna get our get a a uh, Ed's kind of take and, and spin on the Los Angeles Rams. And this week I want to focus on the defensive line. It was interesting. I came across an article from uh, cardswire.com. I think it was Jess Root had an article about three things that uh, coach Cliff Kingsbury is, is going to be paying attention to when it comes to this, at least in the early part of training camp, because they finally put the pads on yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, Ed, or, or they'll be doing it either today or tomorrow, yeah. something along those lines as we record this. So, and then one, since Ed, has been in the locker rooms, he's been in the training camps, I wanted to get a good and a bad story, just story, just, it's going to be story time with Ed Smith uh, towards the end of the show. So without further ado, again, this is Believe in the Arizona Cardinals. So let's get started with the de- defensive line. Again, that article from uh, from Jess Root, it talked about uh, three things that he was looking, looking to kind of focus in on. And one of the things he mentioned was the defensive line. Um, I'll throw some stats uh, your way in a little bit during this part of our conversation. But your thoughts on the defensive line, uh, we've talked about the cornerbacks in terms of, uh, and that's one of the, he wanted to look at, well, I think it was Alford, and see how he's, you know, how healthy he is in terms of being able to help shore up that cornerback position. But your thoughts on the defensive line and
1: your expectations uh, from the defensive line for the upcoming season? Yeah, the defensive line, you know, that's a very important position, you know, they're sometimes overlooked as far as the defensive goes you're kind of evaluating, you know, everything starts up front, just like it does on the offensive side of the ball. You have to protect. As far as the defense, on the defensive side of the ball, you have to actually apply pressure uh, for a couple different reasons. One is to, uh, you know, disrupt things up front. The other reason is to protect your secondary back there. You know, a lot of times we look at secondaries that get burned and scorched. It's not always their fault. If you're not getting any pressure up front, you know, uh, and a quarterback can sit back back there and just – you know, go from progression to progression. You know, you can only hold up coverage so long. I know we have Chandler Jones in the middle of that uh, defense, you know, on the, on the ends up there. But what we got to do is we got to give him a little support, a little help to kind of take some of the pressure off him. I think especially after the season he had last year, the, uh, you know, the offenses are going to come in and they're going to key on, obviously, him as a focal point, uh, double teams, uh, you know, they'll, they'll do everything they can to keep him uh, you know, from from disrupting everything, but we got to get more of a push up front, um, you know, specifically you know, from the middle of the uh, formation, I think, too. And I know last year we experimented with the Suggs, uh, you know, we thought he might have a little left in the tank. That turned out to be, you know, you don't know what, a, you know, I have a you know, I got my new trigger now, right? Yeah, so honest, now I don't have I to do. worry about. I'm still waiting to get. Hey, to get, to get hey to get I've been grid. throwing the invite out to you and Nick every week, man. Hey, don't be, don't be. My wife here. in the other room. We about to roll
0: uh, through. Okay, I wait Come a through with arm swinging like my All wife's right. friend says. We ain't <laughs> gonna have nothing with us. Arm swinging, ready for that food.
1: <laughs> but my my talk on Suggs is we thought he had a little left in the tank, right? Uh, he reminded me last or this past year of. Along with my trigger now, I, I still have the old propane tank, right? Right. And you never know how much is in that propane tank <laughs> until you finally <laughs> go to click or you turn it on and you got fired. Then, like, five minutes later, you put the stakes on and you go back out five minutes later and there's nothing on. The grill yes. is, is, is empty, right? And I think that's kind of what we had expectations for. Right. Suggs to come here along with Chandler to add some fire and and it just didn't work out. And, you know, with this being, a, 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 I guess, a... A very difficult offseason. You know, a lot of guys didn't get work obviously doing with OTAs and everything like that. But it's going to be imperative for them to shore up that front, to, like I said, as I'm kind of just rambling a little bit, but just make sure they shore up the front to assist Chandler and not make it so easy for teams to focus on him. And, uh, you know, a lot of that comes on with your defensive coordinator. You have to be creative with what you're doing. One of the
0: things we're looking at uh, some some of the sites that are, are kind of vision casting for the 2020 season um, – Pro Football Focus had had the Arizona Cardinals ranked in terms of number eighteen, in terms of defense or defensive lines. Again, defensive line rankings. And one of the things that they mentioned was a Jordan Phillips last year. He had what ten ten sacks last year. Um, you know, Corey Peters. Uh, if you mentioned kind of not knowing what you, not knowing the propane analogy, and you always have the great the best analogies as a player coming into training camp. Do you know? Do you? You, you hope that you can make that first step or you hope that you can have uh, uh, improve upon the season that you had the, the year before or, or have a career season. Do you kind of know coming into training camp, I got it or I don't, or I'm going to have to nurse my way through or, or try to jerry-rig this a little bit to be able to try to have some success with my position to hopefully have overall um, um, group success? I
1: mean, usually you know, during a, an offseason, you get a chance to kind of measure yourself. Uh, and I know there's not a lot of contact during the off-seasons, but you know the talent that's surrounding you. Know, a lot of guys like for myself, you know, even being a tight end, uh, during the off-season I would I always knew I wasn't one and probably not two, but I knew who I was battling against at my position, and I could kind of stack myself against them and knew where I needed to improve and kind of gave myself uh, odds on cracking this roster, et cetera, et cetera. You know, for starters, or guys who are trying to crack that starting uh, Lineup, they 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 generally know it's been a little. It'll be a little different this year though because we've had no OTAs and off season. Everybody's going to come in and it's kind of like a dry run. Everybody's going to get out there and it's going to get into it. And you know, right even right now, they're starting off with a bunch of walkthroughs and protocols to get them ready for the eventual contact. So it's going to be ramped up. What's going to be interesting to see is how well guys took care of themselves without the structure of an off season program how long it's going to take to whip them into shape. But, for the you know, for the most part, guys know where they stand on the roster. Uh, real quick, funny story. I remember one time uh, when I was in Atlanta, I think it was my first year, and I, got, I was up in my tight end coach's office, and I happened to go by the big office or big meeting room where they coaches, coaches are only allowed, right? Mm-hmm. And I just happened to see that board, and I got to see the depth chart. I thought I was like peeked in real quick, and I I saw where I was at, and I was like, you know, okay, I can deal with that for right now. I was just hoping I stayed there or went higher. But they've got those depth depth charts pretty much set. And but like I said, it's all about guys coming in, and you can put it on paper, you can put it on boards. Once they get in here, it's going to be all about performance. And like I said, with this abbreviated off or abbreviated uh, preseason, no preseason games actually, and no off season is going to be really interesting to see how guys uh, kind of hit the ground running. When you when you talk
0: about the I talked a little bit about knowing what you have when you come into camp, and again, this is this is a season, of course, unlike any other that we're about to get into. Um, what about if you're a second year guy? So you're a second year guy coming in. You've gone through some of those battles. You've been in the trenches and all the all, all the things that you want to use. And so, what I'm talking about in, the, in particular is somebody like a as they mentioned on Pro Football Focus, they mentioned a Zach Allen. Mm-hmm. So maybe the increased. Uh, expectations that come in with that it's it, it would seem to be it's easy whether you're a student in the classroom or you're in the boardroom or you're in the locker room and now you have to step up in your second year where the expectations are there for you to do so um what goes through your head when, when those expectations raise? Cause I, and, and I asked that because I would imagine when you come in, they looking at you and say, okay, Mr. Mr. Ed Smith, we, we expect, <laughs> a, we, we'll see what we get from you. Then they start to get stuff from you. And they say, that's what we expect mm-hmm. now a little bit more. What go talk about adjusting to
1: expectations and, and the pressure, maybe. Well, first off, you know, a, a young guy coming in second year. The first thing I have to say is thank God they're not a rookie anymore. And guys, when you first come into the league, your head is swimming so, so, so fast. I mean, you're underwater sometimes because of everything being thrown at you. And that's including, you know, like when there is a regular off season. you got your OTAs, you know, rookie mini camps and stuff like that, and they're throwing everything at you. And you think you got it, you know, because everything's moving slow during the offseason. And then you get to training camp, and we talk about this all the time, they turn the dial up. Right. And then it's like, whoa. Because, you know, you get in, a little confident when you get through – the rookie mini camp, and you're like, you know, I can compete with these guys, but you got to remember, you're competing against rookies and free agents and first year guys. In then you get to where the big boys are playing with you, and it, you know, a little intimidating. But when you get to that first season, you know, it's an accomplishment. I remember finishing my first one, man. You, know, I, you know, I was a free agent rookie after you know nine years of baseball. I remember finishing that first one. The Second time around, man, when you come in that following year, it's not so in, so much intimidating. You do talk about the. Expectations, which are great, you know, are greater because now they've seen what you've done. And depending on how much you played that first year round, you know, you 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 might know your role, and they might be grooming to get in. Or it's like you know, during the off season, coaches can let you know this is a big year for you, even though it's only your second year. This is your big year. If you ever want to start in this league, or if you want to make your impression, you know, you can't wait till years three and four because they start to stamp you real early in this league. This isn't a league where you get years to prove yourself. You get. A season or two and I've seen guys who came in like bonus babies and they sometimes they know right away hmm, not too sure about that one we'll give them a little more time and you get into that second season man if you're not performing right away they'll start letting you know it's not you know like when you're in Pee they're always trying to encourage you on, <laughs> Yes, they push, are. you know hey guy come arm around you hey fella come here you can do it man when you get into that second year in the NFL it's like hey come here you need to pick this up right now, or we're going to figure or what out what about
0: stuff. the opposite of that? Don't they sometimes ignore? I've seen on the youth level – again, I know it's, I know it's different, mm-hmm. but I've seen on the youth level where coaches, they, they'll continually ride the ones that they have the highest expectation for, the ones that are giving them what they're asking, mm-hmm. and the ones that aren't, they just – all right. Anyway, I, so we going over here. Go, Ed, why don't you go ahead and run that blah 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 real quick? And this that and this steady on them does that, hap- does that happen too, or is that is It happening
1: every way you can imagine? It okay, there. some coaches or will let you know. Some will just let you basically uh, put you tie your own rope too. Gotcha. Meaning, you know, if if you would do because you know, some, everybody has their different techniques, and a lot of it comes from the top down. If You have a very demanding head head coach you know he's putting pressure on his position coach so they're going to in turn put it on you if you have a coach that's like look a bunch of grown men out here you know you either handle your business or you don't when you start if you're somebody who's starting to get that silent treatment when you used to always get the hats huh. on the back or the encouragement man. man that's when your ears need to start perking up because you're doing something that they're not approving of or they're just not seeing what they want and especially they start you know, looking in other directions, like, you know, the young guys, the free agents out there to prove themselves. I've seen some of those guys just make leaps and bounds in a camp and get recognized just because of their hustle, because they weren't given anything and they're fighting and fighting. And this other dude who first round pick, you know, I got it made. I'm just going to. So there's all kinds of different ways it happens. And like so you got to be on alert. The, the thing I stress the most is it's no longer like you're in college, you're not on a scholarship right you know and we always talk about that one year deal for supply. now you're in the pros where if they don't like what you're doing man just like anybody else you can be cut and you're back in the same boat you know like a lot of people looking for a job got you now, I wanted to ask this
0: before before we start uh, transitioning over to the Rams. But so, what if you're on the offensive line, and let's say you have your your right tackle or your left tackle is maybe maybe they're injured or something? You can kind of hide them by maybe putting a tight end to help to help them a little bit. You can do some different things scheme wise to be able to maybe compensate or to to try to hide somebody i mm. think is what i mentioned and what about on the defensive side of the ball the defensive line is there anything you can do to if let's say you're you're stuck with who you're stuck with you try to add some things during the week or adds players during the week if you're if somebody's really underperforming but if you have what you have and and you just try to have to make the best out of it how do you how does a defensive coordinator maybe hide some of their their uh, deficiencies? Is there, <laughs> how can they do so? Or is it on the defensive line? You can't hide nothing.
1: Well, you. Re, I would say in general on a football field, field period, you can't hide anything because okay. they're gonna. It's, it's almost like a wounded deer. Out in the, in the in the field somewhere, yeah. Uh, you know we've watched those nature shows or anything, yes, and you see the it's injured, and they just start you know just circling it, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. kind of like the same thing, and that's why they like teams don't like to disclose injuries injuries as much as they can, or if a dude is really struggling. You now you can always try to scheme up, like you said, as far if you got weak tackles, you're gonna leave your tight ends and a whole bunch to chip before they go out or you're going to leave them in the help block, or you're going to get your running backs before they get out into a route. They're going to do the same thing. They're going to chip, 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 just because you're overmatched out there. And, you know, coordinators from the other side, they see that. Same thing goes for on the defensive side of the ball. If they know you're light in the tail on the inside of the interior of that defense, or you just have guys that aren't skilled enough, or you don't have enough talent in there, they're just going to just ram it down your throat. And there's all kinds of different ways to do it. They'll yes. double team to get to the next levels. Uh, you know, they will they can single, but they know your guard can handle this dude all day. They're going to leave him one-on-one with him, and they're going to let the tackle uh, get out more, you know, uh, maybe to the next level and maybe leave a tight end to kick out. And there's all kinds of different ways they can do it. So, you know, as far as if you don't – here's the thing. If you don't have the talent, you better be a mastermind of scheme. And I think what we see, Bill Belichick is the ultimate in that because you, you know they never have a whole ton of – uh, pro bowlers and stuff like that, they got dudes that know the responsibility, they're coached up, right. and they do exactly what they're supposed to do and no more. You know, not trying to play hero ball out there. Um, like I said, unless you're Belichick and and, and if, if you don't have the talent, man, you, you better get the scheme because otherwise <laughs> they're coming after you. Right. So <laughs> believe in the Arizona Cardinals. Again,
0: I am Javon Adams, and that is my host, Ed Easy-Smith. To transition to talk about the the Los Angeles Rams, Um, a couple years ago they were a juggernaut. We know that their coach. If you if you happen to know somebody who knew somebody that (laughs) that talked to him, or if he happened if you touched the hem of his garment, then you (laughs) then you were fast tracked into into being a coach yourself. But last year they had a little bit they they had some difficulties last year, but they still ended up what nine and seven last year. They finished third in the NFC West. Um, This year they made some they made some interesting trades in the offseason. Um, I think a lot of people think that they're poised for for to kind of return to form in a lot of ways. They let go of Todd Gurley, um, which is interesting because we know a couple of years ago he was he was the guy that was tilting the rock, but because of injury and just not living up to expectations, they they let him go. They uh, he's no longer on the team, and so we know about uh, some of those things that they've done. Your thoughts on the Los Angeles Rams, uh, your expectations, because it, it is. On paper, it lo- it looks to be a ve- very competitive again as it has been the last couple of seasons. What are your thoughts on the Rams?
1: I think they took a step back last year because they lost their identity, man. Okay, and they also lost. I don't know what happened to Todd Gurley, but obviously he wasn't the same after that Super Bowl season. Obviously, and we always talk about the Super Bowl, Super Bowl hangover and stuff like that. But after they lost the Super Bowl to the Patriots, you know, they rebound with that ninety seven season last year, and it was kind of like I said. It, 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 I think the expectations on golf were very high one yeah. because it gave him a whole bunch of money right. and he's got he has that tag as franchise quarterback right so you give him that much money and he got to the Super Bowl he's supposed to be the next Tom Brady or he's supposed to be the next you know throwing the next uh whatever name you want what I thought was he was a quarterback that was very well coached by his Head coach, who's a great coordinator as well as a head coach, yeah. But he's not at that level yet. And when you put everything on his shoulders, as they did in certain games because Todd Gurley wasn't performing, he showed he was. I mean, just couldn't move the ball, interceptions, untimely picks, and stuff like that which set them back. Um, And like I said, I I, I thought when they were at their best, it was ramming the ball down the throat with Gurley, and then play action. And, you know, and then using their weapons on the outside when they had to. With Gurley not being effective, you know, like I said, they had to heap a whole lot on his shoulders and it just really didn't look good from time to time. And with that being said, I thought they took a step back and I with the departure of Gurley and then not really an off season to help develop golf uh any more than he you know, from, from from the end of last season, I see a lot of the same coming from them. I don't see okay. them taking that step back up to I would actually, in my mind, I have Seattle a little above them because Seattle made some moves. We know Seattle's run-based anyway with uh, Russell Wilson and Magician always back there, and I don't know if anybody's going to do much right now to, I guess, slow the 49er train down. So, as far as I'm concerned, the Rams, you know, defensively, they, 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 they're they're formidable, always going to be formidable. But right. I just don't see that offense being as potent as it was a couple years ago to make them the force that they were. It's it's interesting because it seems like when the year, with
0: of course, where they went to the Super Bowl, it just seems that a lot of players had career years. Whether it was golf mm-hmm. having a career year early on, a great bounce back yeah. after the the season that the, the previous seasons, but it's it's. <sighs> The I was looking at something just a, just a moment ago. Like for example, their, the kicker who they ended up letting go in free agency last year, he didn't he didn't perform just as nearly Zerline as well. Or? Uh, yes, Zerline, Zerline, nearly as well as he had the previous season. How when you when you know, I, I know you don't like to rely on a kicker when you mm-hmm. but little things like that that can mean the difference between. Uh, feeling good about getting to the point where it's a 30, getting, having a drive and not feeling you have to punch it into the end zone because you can't rely on the kicking game. Does all, all that stuff, does it snowball or does it play in your mind when you're on the offensive side of the ball and you're thinking that I, we have to be perfect to get this ball in because the other aspects, our special teams doesn't necessarily work or maybe there's some holes in our defense where we're, we're breaking down in some parts. Does that play in your mind when you're, when you're on the field?
1: I don't think it plays in your mind, but I think you hit it right on the head when you said, you know, the the perfect storm can either be good or bad. Right. Like, two years ago, everything clicked. Everybody was having that career year. Everything, the ball bounced their way, that old cliche and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's that feel-good, you know. The year I went to the Super Bowl, I mean, we were supposed to, the year before we were seven nine. we weren't even supposed to be contenders that following year. Everything was perfect. Everything right. just, we lost a couple games that we had to lose to keep us on, to get us back on track. And it was one of those things where every time you turn around, the ball was bouncing our way. On the flip side, when it's not going well, Hmm. it's like, you know, you you have that lucky pair of socks, right? You go go to put them on that day and there's a big hole in it. Right. And that just throws everything off. And it can start early in the season and it can just go where it just never feels right, just never quite Quite curls. curls. (laughs) And, And it's just, you know, that's the type of season they had last year. And I think it was more of a reality to show you that, what they did 2 years ago was more of the abnormal and what i expect from them is more of the 9 and 7 10 and 6 okay you know that's that's just what they are 12 and 4 13 and 3 that's not the rams as far as i'm concerned Yeah. until they fill some holes and figure some other things out and find out what they truly have in golf.
0: And there's no shame in a 10 and six. No, it's funny. No. I mean, but, but it, but there's a shame in 10 and six when you went, when
1: you had the year that they had before. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. So you go real ahead. quick. Yeah. And I wasn't there, fortunately, but we went 14 and two, went to the Super Bowl in 98, 99. They were four and 12. That's cause you wasn't there, man. I mean, that's wow. what it is. I mean, you know, if I was there, we probably would have been three and 13. <laughs> so
0: so we so we've gone through and talked about we talked about the division so what do you so what do you have do you have what who do you have from top to bottom what do you have
1: i got the 49ers i got Seattle Rams honestly i think they will be a couple games better than the, the cardinals okay but i wouldn't be surprised if it was a fight for that third spot okay know, depending on how things go for the cardinals but i still do think they just they have a little more talent than the cardinals right. I mean, and i just think they're you know a step or so in front of them right now. Okay, all
0: right. Yeah. So believe in the Arizona Cardinals. Again, that is Ed Smith. I am Javon Adams. I want, with, with they're going to be putting on the pads here soon. I want to get your thoughts on, on training camp. So the good and the bad, because you've been through, you've been through a few of them. So I want to get your thoughts on when you, you just take it wherever you want. It's a little bit of story time with Ed about about training camp. If you take folks uh, into in, into what that that
1: experience is like a little bit. Well, I, you know, if, if we were sitting on the porch right now, I'd have a little little something in my mouth, toothpick or something like that. And <laughs> when you see you see the kids walking by, and, come over here, you a know, little whippersnapper. Let me tell you something real quick. I'd be talking to the kids right now. They have it so good today. Right. When I played, man, we had two-a-days, and when I say two-a-days, I meant, I mean, for the first two weeks of training camp, our camp season, so I went into camp Yeah, my first year, July, like, 8th or 9th. Wow. Now, they don't even kick it off until, you know, late July, you know. We went into camp first week and a half of July, so you hit every day, yeah, all day, first two weeks, Right. I will give
0: you one story, and you real quick because you mentioned on the show last week on our radio show, you mentioned in terms of the kind of not getting calloused up, I oh mean, yeah, the hitting and all that stuff. So yeah, you were hitting from day one, and getting a, off the off the bus. I'll tell
1: you a true story, and this is how you build those calluses, and the and for people who don't understand what you put your body through, because yeah. you build what we do during the off season, you build up all off season, OTAs out there. Working, you know, the, the training on the field, in the gym. You build yourself up to be in the peakest of condition. Just as soon as the first trade day of training camps, you just start sliding down that hill. And until January or whenever hmm. you're done, you're never up there again. You're right. very rarely in the middle. Your body is always at a place where pain is the theme of the day. <laughs> so I'll give you a story. And this is, I'm not, when I tell you this, I'm not exaggerating either. i tell you on God, honest truth. We had to weigh in and out of, before, after every practice, before and after. Yeah. Go up for lunch. You had to come back down the hill, weigh in again, weigh out at the end of the day. If you didn't, you used to get fined. You had to actually go in, put your weights in everything. One particular day, two days, uh, uh, Suwannee, Georgia, second year with the Falcons. Started the day, 264 pounds, right? Yeah. go in, we go in, get, get our morning work in, full practice, yes. sweating, dripping, 95, probably like 90% humidity. I come off the field, and I lost about 10 pounds. So I'm down to, from 264, I'm down to 255 when I check out, right? So I go up the hill, get lunch and everything, uh, go into my room. I'm trying to rehydrate, eat a little bit, take my nap. got 45 minutes before I can get back down for second practice, do as much as I can, get my little quick nap, go back down the field. I'd only put on about two more pounds, from lunch and everything, so now, we're at 2.57, right? Yeah. So, at the end of the day, I'm out there on the field, tighty. I'm running my routes and everything, and I know I'm head light, I'm feeling fuzzy and all that kind of stuff, but I'm going to push through this. I got to get through, you know. Finish up the day, and we got conditioning of all things. Well, before we get to conditioning, I remember running a route, a little corner route, no, a comeback route, so I go around do my curl, and I look, come back out of the route, I see two balls coming at me, man. Man. I tried to catch one of them, and didn't catch it, but hit me, and you know, so I go back to the sideline of my tight ends. Coach, he's looking at me. He's kind of gazing at me. He's like, You okay? And I was like, Yeah, I'm okay, Coach. He's like, Go get your head off the butt. You don't drop passes like that, right? So finish up practice, go in, uh, do our conditioning of all things. We were out there doing up downs and this. Uh, <laughs> I get inside, right? I check in. 249. Oh, my God. So I'm are down, you 15, down 15 pounds. So now I'm like in panic mode because I'm starting to cramp a little bit and everything, but I'm like, I, gotta go in. I got weights of all things, right? Yeah. So I go into the training room, weight room, and I'm thinking, let me just get there real quick. I got to get up the hill because I got to really rehydrate, right? Yeah. I get down. I figure I'm going to do my ab work and stuff first, right? I did that first crunch. Entire body goes into C's, right? Whoa. So I get up. I start trying to run for the training room because I, my whole body, fingers, everything, all the way down to my toes. You can see my everything was seizing up, right? Yeah. I get to right to the front door of the training room, and fall out. The trainers had to come grab me. They get me on the table. I got. We had about eight tables in the training room. They yeah. got me on the table, and immediately had to start getting IVs into me. They went and checked my weight and everything, saw how much I was down. Trying to get the first IV in, you know. What I'm and I was like, "Bruh!" And you, you, your lovely wife is here. She's not. Yeah. Bro, I almost felt what childbirth was like <laughs> because my I'm laying on the table. <laughs> y'all can hear that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what <is> <laughs> I'm laying on the table, and my like it was like um when, when they have contractions, right? Yeah. So like I would stop, and I would, like I'd be untense for a second, and all of a sudden every muscle in my entire body was seizing for water. So from my toes to my fingers, everything in between. Yeah. Uh, hamstrings, calves arms, everything, I'm seizing, I got a trainer on both feet, trying to keep my, like pressing my feet and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And I'm just like, see, so they got the first IV in me, and it takes a while for it to take, you know, because they're trying to flush these fluids into your system. Man, I was on that bed, on that uh, table, just, and it's funny, because all eight tables were taken up, right? Yeah. One of our DBs, he had gone up to try to catch himself before he could... Uh, Got cramped up. Yeah. They had to bring him down from a cart, from the uh, cafeteria on a cart, and there were no tables left. They had to put him on the floor and do him. So by the time it was all done, they had one IV of me. They went and checked my chart. They were like, we got to get a second one in, too. So they put a second one in. So I'm laying there, freezing. They wrapped me in blankets and all kinds of stuff. And then after I was done, I had to sit for a while, and they went and checked my weight again and stuff like that. And then you know what my reward was? What? I missed well, I missed dinner, right? Yeah. So, they were like, well, meetings have already started. I had to go <laughs> grab my dinner and go right to meetings and eat dinner while I was trying to catch up in our team meeting, then eventually special teams meeting. Wow. And so, when I talk about it, there's no rest for the weary bro. Wow. And I literally, like I said, I went from, they, they, obviously, they kept me for a while down there to yeah. make sure I was okay. <laughs> but after was, that. Well, after yeah, that, it was like, you know, they to let my coaches know and. And, you know, they had to check my weight. They had to check, you know, and finally they were like, okay, you're good to go. It's like, go grab dinner. And where, where are you supposed to be now? I was like, well, I'm thinking, hey, well, maybe they'll just let me go lay in the bed for a little bit. Uh-uh. They were like, well, when you're done, go grab your food. And wherever your meetings are, you got to go to your meetings. So that, that's how. That out, is
0: ruthless. Bro. Man. Yeah.
1: And then my, my tight end coach looked at me. When I get to the meeting, he's like, where you been? <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> that is wild.
0: Oh my goodness! Oh, uh,
1: I guess that's I know definitely that, the bad. Yeah, well, that, that's a long story. So we don't. I'll tell you a, a good one down the road. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm telling you, bro. <laughs> it, it is. There is no love lost. <laughs> well, next week stay
0: tuned because we're going to have hopefully a good one well, we can have another bad one because he's he's. I got plenty thank, of those thankfully he's alive and well because otherwise it, it would be a, I wouldn't it would be a less satisfying existence if my partner my brother and co-host was not here so again that has been the Believe in the Arizona Cardinals podcast again we do this every week so we talk a little bit about the well uh, all about the Cardinals and give it from our different perspective so on behalf of the one and only Ed Smith I am Javon Adams and we'll catch y'all next time Time, like we like to say around this time, Are you can.
1: Till next week, be easy out there. Thank you for
0: listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.